It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. A happy Memorial Day weekend for everyone. My name is Matt Shea, and I'll be your guest host today. Gary and Suzanne are taking the weekend off to enjoy America, but I know they're listening. And I have a co-pilot, but he corrected me. He says, no, he's more air traffic control. We're talking about our producer, Nathan Miller. Nathan, how are you today? Flight number MS094, you are cleared for takeoff. Hey, Matt, it's good to be here with you, and good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's always fun doing a show with you. Uh, to be on our end in the studio, you have the most magnificent smile. It is nonstop while you're going about your trade. Oh, I love thank it. thank you, Matt. You're like the Allstate people. I'm in good hands with you. <laughs> we have got quite a show today. I brought in a special friend of mine who the entire world probably knows, especially the Matt's and Mitchell show. I brought in Skip Gang from the Psychic Spectrum radio show, the Psychic Spectrum. Skip and I are fishing buddies. And we wanted to do a show to introduce more small-town USA campgrounds, fishing spots, and what's a small town without a couple of ghost stories thrown in. Skip, how are you this morning? I'm good, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Manson Mitchell for allowing you to have me. And I got to say, this is the first time I've worked. We've worked with Nathan for years and KKNW, and this is the first time I got to see Nathan in person because I'm in studio with you today. So it's fun to be here, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. This is going to be a fun day. Skip, I'm going to take the fight to you. When you and I were getting to know one another, we were talking about our favorite campgrounds Mm -hmm. and fishing. We did pretty good the last time out. We both caught a few. We will not talk about who got the biggest fish. (laughs) I won't. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to. So. So we know who got the big one there. (laughs) Yes. I'm fascinated with Fort Warden Historical State Park, Uh and that is from 1902. I'd been there many times, and I've even camped there before. And, of course, we love our campgrounds. We love our small towns and this talk about haunted stuff. I have discovered that they were voted the state of Washington's most haunted campgrounds. You have worked there. You know the insides of this place. What do you have to share with us, Skip? Oh, wow. Okay, Fort Warden um, up in the peninsula there. Um, I have to say, first of all, when I worked for the state of Washington, one of my jobs was to work for the Parks Department as their telecommunications manager, and I took care of projects for IT. And so I would go to all of the different parks, and I got into the bowels of the facilities, all of them. And I know all the nooks and crannies where things are placed and people never, the general public would never see. And not only did I learn about these things about the place, but I learned the history of them. Plus, I also had my own experiences going through this, these projects that I would work months and sometimes a year at a time. So Fort Warden is very haunted, first of all. But I got to say this. I want to give people a quick background real quick. Fort Warden used to be a military complex. It was a fort. And what happened was that they turned it over to the state. The state took it, turned it into a park, as they did with many of the state parks that they have now. But they, at the same time, they, at Fort Warden, they contracted out to a company 
that company has redeveloped, remodeled, rebuilt um, all kinds of the, the facilities, the buildings on there, but they kept the integrity of the old and mixed it with the new and upgraded it. The campgrounds is operated and owned by the state uh, parks department. And doesn't matter who owns it, they've, in the process of uh, rebuilding and model, remodeling things and modernizing the, the buildings and things there, but they keeping the aesthetics of the old, they turned up the energy of the, they turned it, and there's a lot of activity that goes on there. So now more than, than ever. Something else I discovered, at one time it was a treatment centered for troubled youth, and they say this was in the day of age where they had what was known as to be barbaric methods in dealing with troubled youth. So that is thrown in the mix here. Definitely. There's a barracks that they took, one, sing, one certain specific barracks, and they turned it into kind of like a, uh, oh, like an orphanage style type thing. But it was, it was for troubled youth, and they were kept in line. They had guards, I guess you could call them. Uh, anyhow, that place, and they, they weren't shy about their treatment of the kids because they considered a lot of them to be adults, even though they were younger, uh, still, uh, younger adults or, or older teenagers. But their methods, you could tell some of the things are still there in the basements of the buildings that they used to have and do, but, uh, there's definitely, there's, there's so much sexual abuse, physical abuse, and then there's also the deaths that come. And they, during, because of all these different things during these processes that went on there, it created some dis, dis unrest with the, the spirits there and they hang around and they still are active. What I've read was initially that fort was considered a small city Mm-hmm. with a cemetery, a jail, and some eerie rows of houses that all looked identical. Yeah, definitely. See, the cemetery's still there. You can go through it. Um, when we went up there, we've been there several times. I took my wife and also other groups of people. We've run ghost hunts up there, uh, group ghost hunts, uh, and they were overnighters. And we went through the cemetery. We went through the jail. We went. Through, I took them through the places. Um, those rows, ha- houses, the row of houses, those it's called officers row, and this it, it's huge buildings. There's four sections to each building, and within those sections, each section, there's multiple bedrooms where different officers had their quarters, and um, we stayed in those. Very very haunted. The most haunted building, the second most haunted building there, um, on the on the fort. Um, lots of activity. I was attacked, broke my foot. Um, it's a long story. I don't want to take the time on the air, but it's super haunted. Well, let's share that story a little bit. You had an x-ray and it Mm -hmm. had to do with the imprint of a military boot and you take it from there. Okay. Yeah. It's an old fort, so it's military. I'm there and all night long I was sick as a dog and I kept running back and forth to the bathroom, and I was fine when we went up there. But I'm, I'm telling you, this is, I, in the middle of the night, somewhere, something happened to my foot, and I never felt it. I just felt like somebody touched me. And, but I didn't hurt, and I didn't have a problem until the next morning I told my wife. We got back, and my foot was swelling and swelling, and it was all black and blue and green. And I went to the doctor 
uh, a day or two later, and the doctor took x-rays, and he looked at it. He says, it looks like your foot was stomped on by a boot, like a military boot. And he says, you can see the heel print, and he showed me. And I never told him we went to a fort, an ex-military fort, but something broke my foot. And that was the one of the few times I've been attacked on ghost hunts, but it does happen. That is something. Many years ago, an officer, the gentleman, was coming into its own because it was filmed there with right. Richard Gere. A group of us, a large group, probably 20 or so, we went there. We camped the night. We had the most wonderful time. And, of course, we had our flashlights. We're going through the old fort at night. And so we were wondering if it was haunted because that's the way the movies do it. We didn't realize it re- actually was. And so to find oh, yeah. out more about this is really something. Now, we have a phone number if you want to get reservations there, which is one three six zero three four 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 zero zero. And Fort Warden's address is two hundred Battery Way, Port Towns in Washington, nine eight three six eight. And in regards to directions, I would actually use your GPS because based on where you're coming from. There's a multitude of ways to get there, ranging from freeway to the ferry boats. Just GPS, Fort Warden Historical State Park, and you'll get there. And again, this was built in 1902. This is part of the Triangle of Fire because there were two other forts there which also had their cannons faced toward the same body of water. If any foreign vessel dared, they would have to contend with Fort Flagger, Fort Casey, and Fort Warden shelling them, and the odds are they're not going to make it through. Now, getting back to Fort Warden, when I was there, they were talking about the guardhouse bar, and that used to be a former holding cell. Mm-hmm. And so I had to ask if anything is known to happen. The man and woman who were serving behind the bar asked me to sit down, and then when they had a moment, they both took the fight to me. They say at night around closing time, they see the shadow of a guard marching back and forth, how they walk the length of the door, pivot around, walk back the way they came continuously if it was holding a rifle. Mm -hmm. That was one of the many stories they had there. Throughout this place, when you're talking about the officer's quarters, I've heard stories that they have the old phone system as ornament. They're not connected they've been known to ring on their own. Rocking chairs have been known to start rocking, and there's no explanation. Nothing else is moving. Well, yes. And see, I got to tell you that the, the story about the phone system, that was, as the IT manager, that was one of my jobs. I upgraded all that. So all the old stuff's gone. But that that definitely did happen. And sometimes the new phone systems will, all of a sudden, and they'll start getting calls and or they'll connect you and your office and my office might ring simultaneously. We pick it up and we're talking. It's like, I didn't dial you and I didn't dial you, but it does go on. Um, the, can I tell you real quick, a story about the jail? Please. Okay. There, there it's, it's kind of like, um, there's like a, there's like a separate, there's three levels to it. Even though all you see is the ground level. It looks like a half of two steps down and there's a bathroom and we were up there we just stopped in to get something to eat and see the jail cell and stuff. And you can go in the jail cell if you go there. They let It's open. You can walk into the cell. Um, but anyhow, I go down into the bathroom to 
relieve myself. And I'm sitting in a stall and just, I'm alone. I turned off the lights when I went in because that's the kind of stuff I do in that when I go on a ghost hunt. And I have a huge five-cell flashlight, a five-battery flashlight. And it was in my hand. And for some reason, it got knocked out of my hand. It rolled across across the floor under the, the walls of the, the uh, stall that I'm in over towards the door. And it kept rolling and rolling, and it got to the door, and then I heard, get out. And it's like, okay, I'm out of here. So, But it was really spooky, and I was alone, and I told my wife, and she believes it because she knows what we do. I mean, we've done it for decades. But anyhow, it's like, wow, even in the jail, I got that knocked out of my hands. So it's like, it's crazy. So, but the place is definitely haunted. It's just definitely a haunted facility. It's it's actually since they've upgraded the buildings and businesses are in there. There's a college in there now. It's actually a, a beautiful place. It's it's way 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 better, and I, I'm really glad they did that. Um, but they kept the aesthetics of the old, and you know you're going into a 1910 building to sleep overnight. Um, there's one building. That's I don't won't say it on the air. I'll let them tell you when you call them. But it's very it's the one of the officers' places that where I got my foot stomped. That's more haunted. It's probably the second most. The most haunted at Fort Warden is the boiler room. Believe it or not, the boiler room they had the old coal-fired boilers, and back in the forties, early forties, they had a dance there, um, the swing era music dance, and for the soldiers. Well, the band that played was three guys, and they got paid. One of the guys, he grew up with money. He didn't care, so he didn't cash, worry about cashing his check. So anyhow, they got the, uh, the other two guys got their money. They decided to kill him and rob him and take his, his money, and then they had to dispose of the body. So they stuffed him in the coal chute down into the boiler room. They went down into the boiler room. They dismembered him stuffed him in the boiler and in the morning and the, the boiler had coals in it okay but in the morning the uh custodian comes in to fire up the boiler again and he opens up the door and there's an part of an arm laying there with a hand on it <laughs> and that's how they found it and figured it out they traced it back these guys confessed and but this guy haunts that building it's just a little building um it, it's got two rooms to it and when we walked from into the back room, and it's a supply room with shelves. We came out right as we got to the door. Somebody took the old crystal doorknob, and they, they, it's like they turned it real quick and let it go. It sprung back and made a noise. And the three of us looked at each other. We stopped. Went, oh, what was that? Did you hear that? And it was the doorknob. And we have that, that sound on tape, that audio side of it. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. The fort itself is amazing because the person could go through that, including the chambers, the tunnels underground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk about hearing moans, things moving, some orbs of lights. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you know anything about that? Yeah, those the the if you can go, they won't allow the public in. But see, they kept a lot of the old old things. Like just as an example, I go into one of the buildings and I'm going down. I went into the basement with my engineers. And I'm looking at where's the cables run and this and that. And there's boxes and boxes. The whole floor is full. There's just aisleways. 
but it's like there, a shipment came in, 10, 15, 20 pallets of shaving kits. It's got a razor, a mug, the little soap cake, and a brush. And they're all brand new. They're still in the original box. They're just sitting there on pallets. And I'm like, wow, they never even used this stuff. But it's just sitting there. They don't want to get rid of it, obviously, because it's got some value to it now. But they, you, but you walk in and you see these things. So every single building I went into, into the basements or way up into the attics and walked through, you hear noises. And it's not just a building creaking or something popping. It's, it's actual noises. And you can hear the, the sounds of things. And, I mean, it, you can hear voices, people talking. Every single building, the tunnels, if you can get access to them late at night when everything's quiet, probably like 1 to 2 in the morning, and it's possible you can arrange this with the people, but I will tell you, you will see spirits. You will hear them talking more, not more than 10 feet away from you in the dark. So very that is, active. That is just amazing. And they also are renowned for having an old church on campus. Yes, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think that is the oldest structure on campus. Actually, the lighthouse is the oldest and then the church. Okay, I'm familiar with the lighthouse. Yeah. Love my lighthouses. Mm-hmm. But do, could you tell us anything about the church? The church, um, oh, there's a couple of stories. Um, like some, so one of the soldiers, they got in a fight. They got, one of them got stabbed. He made it to the church and died in the church. Um, and... The, it's haunted. It, it, the people will call out his name, and I think his name was Pearl, but they would call out his name, and they would get an answer. Or they'd say, Pearl, if you're here, make a noise, and you hear a knock, like on the pews, the wooden pews, and uh, or you, sometimes you hear a, uh, like that. And it, it's just, yeah, it's definitely haunted, as well as the lighthouse. You that, can, that is incredible. As I mentioned, we have the Triangle of Fire. Mm-hmm. We have the three forts. Down a ways, we have Fort Flagger, built in the late 1890s. And the phone number for Fort Flagger, because they have a great campground there, along with a military museum, a gift shop. They have the Beachcomber Cafe there. They have Olympic ki- kayak tours. But their phone number is 360-385-1259. And their address is 10541 Flagger Road, Nordland, Washington, 98358. I've talked to the Paranormal Society of that area, and they had a lot to say about Fort Flagger. What would you know about Fort Flagger State Park? Well, Fort Flagler is one of the, the it's, it's a quiet haunting. Okay, it's haunted, but it, it's, it's a quiet haunting. In other words, there's nothing ever that there's no, they don't try to, spirits that are there don't try to do a shock value. Like, oh, wow, what was that? It's like, you know, someone's there. They're just letting you know they're there. And in and, and with voices, sounds, knocks, pops, whatever, but obviously not natural. They're not, in other words, they're spirit-made or man-made. Um, but it, it's a subtle haunting. What but I it's was definitely t- haunted. What I was told is that there are those that see the military men going through their exercises in Mm -hmm. uniform because they never had an actual battle there. They were poised in the event, Mm -hmm. and in the meantime, they served as training facilities for World War I, World War II, and Korea. Mm -hmm. See, people don't realize this, but all of the parks that are on the coast 
of Washington from Canada down to Oregon, all of the parks that are called Fort something, those were actually forts that protected the coast with batteries of these huge cannons uh, in case we were invaded by, by, by sea. Yes. And, and so these, it's all military, but the, like Fort Flagler, they drilled a lot. They kept busy with maintenance, working drills, that kind of thing. And there, I have, I'll tell you what, there was a person who worked there, came in at night because they forgot to shut something off. They came back, it was like 1030 at night, and they were standing there and out on what's called the parade grounds, they literally saw an entire company in uniform with their weapons marching and drilling. An entire company at 10, I'd say about 1030 at night, I think it was. And, but he saw them and there was no sounds, but he saw them and it didn't just see him standing there. They were drilling. They, he watched them go through the paces. What era did they represent? The early 1900s. Amazing. Like about 1910, 1920, because of their uniform description he gave me. That was what it I was. Did, I did a show for the Fort Lewis Museum, and there are people who are standing in the lot, and all around them they could hear soldiers marching, and they see nothing. It's just oh, the yeah. wind, the tall grass, and everything. Mm-hmm. That is a common story I there. believe it. At Fort Flagger, they have their officer quarters that you could rent out. It's a beautiful park. It, it is. is just amazing there. It is mm-hmm. beautiful. And people even parasail there, uh, saltwater fishing, and they have cannons there. These forts are known to get cannons from various battlegrounds throughout the world mm-hmm. and just to put a good accent on the campus there. I was very impressed with Fort Flagger. It is the most quiet of the three and it's hard for me to pick which one I like. It seems that Fort Warden is the busiest, the most activity. They yeah. have their restaurants there and everything. It's my favorite, too. But the, Well, that's home. You're alumni yeah. there. But Fort Flagger really impressed me. You had to get out a ways to get there. You know, even beyond all the other things at Fort Flagler, if you go there, off to the, the south, there's a beach, just like literally a block from it. You can drive out there. You can park and walk out on the beach. At this in the springtime, you can go out there and fish off the beach for salmon. And I'm telling you, these the salmon they bring, they just pull in and they just run them up on the beach and throw them in their cooler. I've seen so many of them. That is just amazing. I love that. So often in this state, at the campfire on the grill, you could have that trout or that salmon you got. Oh, yeah. I love Deception Pass State Park because it's open year-round Cranberry Lake. And they have German brown and rainbow that equate to about three pounds, which means you're looking at a fish close to 20 inches long, if not more. I've caught them there before. Yeah. And then you could walk towards the shoreline, the salt water, the inlet, and people are now catching humpy salmon there, mm-hmm. five, seven pounds. Yeah. What a campfire that night. What a fish fry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the parks themselves as a park, all the forts and everything else, it's just, they're beautiful, but you get to the park and you feel secure, number one, but you also, it's, it's a, it's not a, it's a destination event. It's a family destination event. Or if you're just a hardcore fisherman and you take your gear there with your boat, you camp, you get up and you go out fishing. It's just, it's got, we have things for everybody in Washington state parks. We do. And I mean, it's just, it's a great experience when you go there. And what I like is we have the small town theme because they're not in the cities. 
They're mm-hmm. out there a bit. So we get to go through towns like Coopville and so forth, and they're quaint. They mm-hmm. have their identity, their culture. I love the small town thing. And as much as I love my campfire and having the coffee and the firewood, I like to hit their cafes, their restaurant. I like to hobnob with the locals a little bit. Right. I'm with you on that. Oh, that is fantastic. Now, Fort Casey, that is my granddaddy there. That's an incredible place. And again, Fort Casey is 1280 Engel Road, Coopville, Washington, 98239. And they have a phone number you could call to get reservations for camping because they do have their cabins and their officers' quarters as well. And that is 888-226-7688. And I've been to Fort Casey many times. They even brought in cannons from the Civil War that have bullet marks from the battles down there. Yeah. They have them. Yeah. Just incredible to see there. You can feel them, touch them, the, the, bat, the bullet marks and everything. Yes, they do. They have Crockett Lake nearby, and it not only has bass and bluegill perch, it has northern pike. Mm-hmm. And how many places does the state of Washington have that? There's probably, uh, I know of, well, in western Washington, I only know of three places that have muskie in them. But, you know, at, at, at Fort Casey, the church is the most haunted of the uh, of the, at least in my experiences there, over the the several many trips I've made there. Please tell us about that. the The church. It's really funny. If sometimes, most of the time, you can walk into a place, you walk around a little bit, and things happen, and you feel it, and you know it. Sometimes right away. Uh, but at the, at Fort Casey, the church is the the most haunted. But what happens is, you if you go there, you need to sit and be quiet. And just observe, enjoy the, the facilities, the room, the, the big room you're in. And when you can calm yourself and be in the energy, it's then at, at that point, all of a sudden, things start happening. And it's like they want you to be become reverent or part of the reverence of the church. So then we'll start talking or communicating with you. Wow. That is something. I was never aware of that. Oh, yeah, it's really easy to go, just go in there, get quiet, and sit back, and noises, the sounds, the, the, the voices you'll hear, people up in the, in the upper part, and I mean, it's just, it's calm. It's that a beautiful place. That is incredible. Place. The beautiful. campgrounds are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it, they run parallel with the ferry boat at Clinton. Right. How they're illuminated at night, it throws a little excitement into that. And that's another one that has the beach you can go fish on. Yes. Right, right there, right next to the ferries. Oh. Okay. Well, we need to take a break. This is Matt Shea from the Matts and Mitchell Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. 
Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Tori Ryder, whose decades of work in radio have given her a unique window on the world. It's the world according to Tori and Manson Mitchell. On Saturday, Jeffrey Marks talks about the influences on his thinking over recent years and the continued development of his extraordinary mediumship. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to the Matt's and Mitchell Show. This is your guest host, Matt Shea. And of course, we're here with Nathan Miller, our producer. And we have the Psychic Spectrum Radio Show's Skip Line Gang with us. Skip, let's take a time out. Tell us a bit about yourself, and let's get a good email address for you. Let's get your website out. Oh, okay. Well, my wife and I are both psychic and mediums. And yes, we had normal jobs. She worked for the school districts. Um, she taught the kids. And I retired from the phone company. Then I had another second career, and I retired from the state of Washington. But in the process, we've developed uh, the, our metaphysical pursuits, paranormal pursuits. But we formed the Psychic Spectrum, at, and our website is psychicspectrum.com. Um, our email is psychicspectrum at msn.com. And we do a lot of uh, activities, 17 different events every month for people to take part in. You also have a very attractive mug for sale. Oh, the Psychic Spectrum coffee mug. It's on our website. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for mentioning that. Thank you. I got one of them. Okay, we were discussing Fort Casey, which was built in 1903. We have the Admiralty Lighthouse, which initially was constructed in 1861, refurbished in 1903, and in 1922, it actually stopped serving as a lighthouse, but it's still there. It has a gift shop. It has tours there, and it also has some stories attached to it. Skip, what do you know about that lighthouse? Well, there's a lady who worked there and who is obviously deceased by now, but um it's reported and actually seen and corroborated many times over that she would go up to clean the lights, uh, the casing around the lights and everything. Uh, every day she would go up there in the daylight and she would work on this thing and clean it. And sometimes at night when people go up there, uh, they see her actually standing there working. She opens up the glass doors and wipes them down and cleans them. This was a daily routine, and she takes care of the place still. She's still day. on her duty. Uh, still on duty. Still at her post. Yeah. 
diligent. There is also a story, tragically, of a little boy from years back, based on his oh, attire, yes. who yes. was playing on the beach, high tide. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we lost him. But he's seen frolicking around there, having a good old time. Many reports about that child there. On the south, let's see, the southeast end of the beach, he is seen down there like he's, he's do, sometimes he's doing something, playing or whatever, but there's a lot of the reports come in that he is actually um, wandering looking for somebody. I think it's his parents or where he's supposed to be or whatever, but he's, they see him wandering and looking. That's exactly what I heard, that yeah. he is looking like he's lost and he's afraid to leave the area. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's looking for a mom. They have their officers' quarters there, and like Fort Warden and Flagger. They, too, have their stories of phones that are disconnected, ringing, mm-hmm. rocking chairs, moving, rocking on themselves, no explanation. It's basically what we've said about the other forts. There's something going on there. Yes. Yeah, definitely is. And, you know, there's the, the part I like is that about that Fort Casey uh, is that the, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but the spirits that people have encountered are what I would consider the most, some of the most normal spirits or the most normal people in the world. And they're just, they're calm, they're friendly, and they love the interaction, not the, they, they don't intend to shock you, they scare you, they don't intend, or they don't let it happen. They just kind of, hi, how are you? You know, one of those kind of They're things. letting their presence be known because yeah. regardless of the spirits that reside there, mm-hmm. the campgrounds, the park, the forts you could go in that are from the World War I era on forward, that by itself you could spend all day. Mm-hmm. They have the restaurants nearby, the fun towns they reside in, the fun towns you go through until you eventually reach your destination. It's a win-win for all. And yes, these stories, they're certainly circulating. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have something to say about that. Oh, yeah. And Fort Casey, the facilities, the grounds, the everything else, it's top-notch. It's clean. It's organized. It's its not, well, this is, looks good, but this over here is broken. It's like this is, it's a good state of, of condition. They have the military pillboxes for the gunners. They're in the rolling hills. Yeah. And you could go inside them and mm-hmm. look out. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. You'd look out over the water, the cannons do. And from each fort, you could see the other two because you're aimed at that center body of water. An enemy ship's thinking, I dare you. Mm-hmm. And you know, if people ever get a chance to go to one of the coastal forts that are now state parks, they should take the opportunity to go to the batteries up there where the cannons are and stuff like that, but pay attention to the the railroad tracks that they have that they would push the carts of ammunition up to uh, the the battery, the gun on, and load them up and take them back and bring up new ones. Just the little things that they would have or what they would do. If you walk inside, pay attention to their lights and the communications because a light would come on and say, okay, it's okay, uh, safe to to be here now, the red light would come on. It's like, no, we're bringing up the ammunition, evacuate. Um, it, it, there's just there's so many little things there. Just They had dumb waiters to bring the shells from underneath yeah. up to the cannons yep. above. And some of the cannons, they're like on a scissor jack. Mm-hmm. They would go below, right. get loaded, and then be elevated back yeah. up to peer over the top. 
And also, we would notice that they had a pulley system on the concrete ceilings. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so you had the the track, so to say, like a little rail car. Right. But you also had them suspended as well. It's quite an operation there. Oh, yeah. And we would follow them to these dumb waiters because right above it mm-hmm. was that. And it took many men what yeah. it took to actually load and fire one shell. The state archives has video of that process, those processes, um, but they don't put them out. I don't know why. But they they actually have videos of the, the loading and the evacuating the, the spent shells and things like that. It, but it, it's, yeah, everyone, every park has different processes than the other, but it's, it's pretty cool. Now, I would like to mention one. We've all heard the name Battleground Lake State Park, mm-hmm. and that is south, south of our state. It is exit 11 off of I-5. And I'll give an address. It is 18002 Northeast 249th Street, Battleground, Washington, 98604. And we have a phone number, 360-678, excuse me, 687-4621. Let me repeat that, 360-687-4621. And this is 200 acres of a park. Now, Battleground has a history behind the name. In 1855, volunteers from Fort Vancouver had a confrontation with the Klickitat Indians. Captain William Strong was leading the volunteers, and it ended up being a peaceful encounter, and they called it Strong's Battleground, later to be shortened to Battleground. Mm -hmm. So there actually was not a battle there, thank goodness, which we never (laughs) had any battles there. But that's a history behind it. Now, here is an incredible, beautiful Battleground State Park, Battleground Lake State Park, excuse me. The lake has cutthroat trout, rainbow. They get about 15, 20, 22 inches, three pound there. I've talked to some of the locals there. Mm -hmm. And that lake is open year-round. The campgrounds, beautiful campgrounds that includes cabins that have electricity. Now, these cabins do not run water, but they don't need to because they're all within eyesight of their restrooms, which have showers, they're well lit. These cabins have their own deck, their barbecue. Mm -hmm. You're sitting pretty good there, and you could just walk down the trail with your fishing pole. Odds are you're going to come home with some nice fish. You can't beat it. But what is a small town without some type of ghost story attached to it. We have the Taqueria Los Primos Bar and Grill off of 705 Southeast 1st Street in Battleground. They have a phone number, 360-666-0022. My buddy Pete and I, we do the road trips. We had lunch there, and it was incredible. That restaurant by itself is worth going to Battleground. And supposedly, that structure is close to 100 years old, and they talk about a friendly haunting because many of the previous businesses all talk about a woman in blue, usually seen upstairs. They just see her going about, and they understand they're seeing a spirit of some sort. And then certain things happen and move, but nothing violent, nothing startling. It's more amusement. So it's friendly. And I asked about it, and they said to this day, the locals come in, people who are raised in that town, 
They asked if they've seen her lately because they have. They asked if there's been any activity. The town knows about it, and it is a fantastic place to eat. I strongly recommend that place. So there you have it, Battleground Lakes State Park. It is a beautiful campground. Your family could spend days there that all it has to offer. You know, the fishing on that lake, you mentioned like you'd stay in your cabin, grab your pole, walk down to the lake, or if you just want to go down, take a lawn chair, sit there on the banks. If you have a small kayak or a a small canoe um, or even a small inflatable boat, it's so beautiful just near that area. You can just go out there. The lake's calm. You float around and do your thing. It's just the most calming place that people can go and hang out. It makes me think of a crater surrounded by tall trees. It's basically glass, and it's that beautiful aqua green color. And the times I have been there, it was smooth as glass. Fishing is just an option. There are people that kayak or, hey, they're at the beach for the day. They're just going to lay back and enjoy the sun. Right. And they have their share of trails there. You could walk through all throughout that campground. Mm-hmm. And the cabins, my gosh, uh, they're not shabby. Yeah, they're, they're not, pretty nice. They are very nice. You feel like you're in a decent, clean spot that, yes. when you go there. Yes. I was impressed when I, the, when I had the tour of the place. Well, the RVs, they have it made. You could hook them up. Yeah. They have a nice picnic table. You have your contained area. Whatever campground you pick there, you've got your privacy. But don't forget downtown Battleground. They have a lot of fun shops there, including the one we just mentioned, that restaurant. Yeah, Yeah, and lots of trees around the campgrounds, too. Yes. Now, you and Sharon have certainly been out and about camping with your IVs, RVs, excuse me. Throw in another one. Um, Let's go to Ocean Shores. We went down there with a friend who had his fifth wheel, and we had our um, uh, trailer. As we had a, I think it was, I don't know, this thirty-two foot trailer and twenty-nine foot trailer. I can't remember. Anyhow, we all towed down there, and our son was about, oh, we'll say thirteen or fourteen, and he went with us, and we pull into this private campground, and I'll, I'll describe this as you're going towards Ocean Shores, you get about. A mile or two, maybe two at the most, from that big left turn, hairpin turn that you do to go into Ocean Shores. And on the right is a campground. And it, it's got a little sign, and you can go in there and camp. It's private. It's owned by um, some people. But we pulled in. We registered. We paid for our site. And they said, go over here. You'll go past the, the grave site. And I'm like, what? And I said, is, what do you mean gravesite? And they said, well, there's a grave over there. And the story is that the original owner and his wife started this because they wanted to make a campground and they wanted extra income. And so that became their only business. But he died and then she died. And I think she died first, actually, and then he died. But anyhow, he buried his wife just to the left of the gate when you come in. And it's all fenced off. You can see the tombstone. Then when he died, he went, he got placed there, uh, sold off to other people with the proviso that the graves don't ever go anywhere. And so they have to leave them. But when you go into the place, there's this feeling of um, extra people there and welcoming you. And it's like these two people still 
may, uh, they want they greet you. They want to come around. They inspect your campsite. That you you know somebody's out there. And in fact, there's a big story about he walks the campgrounds late at night, and he's been seen over and over and over. It's like lots of different times. And he'll come up and he'll stir the fires at the campground to make sure they're out. And then he walks away. And so people will ask the next day up at the gatehouse, they'll say, why do people come around and check our fires? What, why didn't he just blah, blah, blah? And they say, oh, that's not us. That's Max or whatever his name was. And they tell him the story. And then people, as soon as they hear the story, some of them, they pack up. They're gone that night, that day. They're out to another campground. When it comes to the afterlife, I would be so happy to have part of it being the campground keeper. Oh, yeah. Being Wouldn't that be fun? I would love that. Yeah. I would help not terrify anyone. Yeah. I would steer those coals. Maybe when they turn around, look, there's a hot cup of cocoa right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. If I'm allowed to do such thing. Yeah. That's a wonderful story. What I love about Ocean Shores, we also have the state park once you get mm-hmm. inside Ocean Shores. And that's a good one. I've camped there several times, but we have Duck Lake, which is a canal that is basically salt water becoming fresh water. They have landlocked salmon there. I've caught them, kokanee. Mm-hmm. And then you also get your rainbow trout there. And so I've caught some good fish that had broke. Well, I've, I've broken four pound tests before trying to get them oh, in. Wow. But there we are. We're staying either at a condominium or a campground. And we now have landlocked salmon. We have trout right there on the grill, just as you could do it at Deception Pass and other places. These state parks offer an awful lot. And you can just have the old family SUV and mm-hmm. a tent. That's all you need. Yeah. You can find sticks for the marshmallows, the hot dog. Find any means to get out there once you're there. Enjoy the better. place, all the, all the options that you can do there. Playing, fishing, hunting. Um, off into the distance, not in the park, you can't hunt, but the, 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 just the camping, the, the camaraderie with the family and friends. I would take my daughter and her friends camping. She grew up with that, but I knew what to do. They had their own tent and their own site. Then I had a vantage point. They could kind of look over their side of the fence without them feeling infringed upon. Mm -hmm. And as long as I wasn't present, they were having the time of their life with their flashlights and everything. Yeah. But I was nearby. Right. Something for everyone. And then at night, we had the fire. We had the marshmallows, the spores. We had the hot cocoa. Mm -hmm. We had the stars. And stories fester out. People bring up the most happiest moments of their life and share them at those campfires. Our son is 42 now, and... We still, when we're together, sometimes topics will come up and we still talk about our camping trips to the state parks and uh, different facilities, the things we did, the crabbing, the fishing, crabbing from the dock, you know, the little things like that, um, but or the events that were going on when we went there, the things that happened. And it's like, it's, it's memories. You can't put a price on memories. You got to take that with you. Yep. Now, you and Sharon are familiar with camping in the vicinity of Tokeland, Washington. Mm-hmm. Share that with us. Tokeland is pretty cool. Tokeland, you got to remember, is, um, how do I say this? It's a, it's a very old Washington community or area. And in Tokeland area, there is, there's, Grays Harbor, um, there's Westport, Ocean Shores is on the fringe of it, but you've got all these different areas up and down the coast, like 
you might have uh, Westport, but you have um, a little tiny, like a gas station and a little small uh, grocery store. That's actually considered a town or actually Washington doesn't have towns. Every place is a city in Washington. They're all cities, but it's, it's a little like a one building city or two building city. And they're, they dot up and down the coast and even inland on the old roads that lead to the coast. Um, but the Tokeland area, it, it's so old. There's so much history and so much entrenched there. They have the state's, oldest running hotel yeah but i believe it's from 1885 the tolkland hotel tolkland hotel but there they are yep and i'll tell you what you want to go to a place that you can stay at that's nice it's still it's an older facility and you know it but it's clean it's decent it's kept up okay but you want to experience some place that's got some paranormal activity i'll leave it at those words but nothing in a harmful way at all. It's just like, hey, we're here, um, letting you know that they're there. And interacting, sometimes they will. Um, the most I've ever seen that I would consider bothersome is um, in the middle of the night, stories of people, their door being knocked on, they open it and nobody's there. you know, Or they go out into the hall and they hear voices and people talking, they open the door and there's nobody there. And but def, that 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 Tokeland Hotel is definitely haunted. Oh yes, I was. I've done a few shows on that, and the present owners sat me down and they updated me the things they've seen since the last oh, time. Oh, cool! But they're pretty friendly. Now, in regards to camping, how close are we to that hotel, the campgrounds you know of? Oh, within four miles, two miles. Um, re- you're close. The reason I mentioned that is that we have Washaway Beach, which yeah. is sandy, and every year I think they lose at least 100 feet of shoreline. Mm-hmm. But they keep having the contour of the beach change because yeah. of the, the inlet, the rough winds and everything. All the time, you get fragments of two old shipwrecks. One was the Trinidad, oh, yeah. and the other was the Canadian exporter. And how these ships have been identified is that they were carrying lumber from a Canadian lumber mill, and it had the stamp on the side of the wood, mm-hmm. and the ship was reported missing. I believe the Canadian exporter, I believe it was its second voyage, and it was lost. One was lost, I believe, in the 20s, and the other, I believe, in the early 40s. But on occasion, you get some wood coming in from that. Yeah. Also, sometimes a piece of the ship itself will be look like an old barge or something and that at high tide it goes back out. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that is pretty interesting to have there. That among other things there. You know, I have to tell you this when our so when we used to camp down there and our son was in his early teens, we used to drive you know how you go down highway 101, you sometimes wherever you are you got to turn to the right and drive out to the beach. We used to drive drive out to the beach to get there on some of these roads ac- access roads. Now, we slowly started seeing the storms change and the water currents and things like that in the wind. All of a sudden, they were losing homes. They were falling into the ocean. Yes. And, and it, the, 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 the shoreline kept creeping closer and closer to Highway 101. And it's called Washaway Beach because it literally 
thousands of feet have washed away over the decades. That has. They've had floods, and then later they saw that an old cemetery had mm. been washed out. Yeah. And so they would find tombstones, and they would like to put them back where they properly belong. Yeah. And I believe that an old post office, among other things, eventually was victimized of this disappearing beach. I remember the old post office. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was a little old white building, a little old wooden white building. And we saw it. We used to go by it, and we didn't think anything of it. But then all of a sudden we went down there, and everything was changed one year, and it was more and more. It was gone. It, it, it's Washaway Beach. But best part is if you go down there on an incoming tide when there's a storm, the Japanese floats and the glass balls and their nets will blow in and wash in, and you can walk the beach kind of either during the storm or right after the storm. I mean, right after. You can get a nice collection of these things for free. Amazing. The very ones we see in the antique stores. Yes. Yeah. You had mentioned crabbing and so forth. Mm-hmm. You have your campgrounds where you do that? Um, yes. We used to do the campgrounds. Now we, like, just an example, we'll go to Westport. I have collapsible crab pots. I have four of them. And I go down there. They have a long pier you can walk out on. We'll stay at a hotel. But I will go out on the pier, um, throw a, a, tie a piece of bait to it, and spray it with WD-40 because it's, <laughs> it's, it's an attractant for the crabs. It's crazy. I used to do that fishing because it yeah. has salmon oil. And yeah. then the big picture is that is still oil, oil. Right. And it's, it's an attractant. And it, so, it does, but I think it's sort of on the illegal side. No, no, it's totally legal. Okay. I, I checked. Working okay. for the state, I had to make sure I checked. But but I have to tell you, we took another couple and I down there, and we ended up getting like uh, 10 crabs, um, Dungeness crab, brought them, boiled them, brought them home and on ice, and ate them later. Life is good. The way we could be food gatherers at these campsites, <laughs> yeah, fishing, yeah. shellfish, I love it. Yeah. I just love it. And we've got about two minutes to go, Skiff. You've just been fantastic. Again, tell us how we could get in touch with you and Sharon. All right. Our website is psychicspectrum.com, and our email is psychicspectrum at msn.com. But we also do our own radio show. It's called the Psychic Spectrum Radio Show. And um, it is online. In fact, as soon as I'm done here, I go back to our studio, and we do our, our radio show there. It's going to be at noon. We're live streamed at noon on Saturdays and one on Tuesdays, we're online, and if you want to join in, you can go to Facebook or YouTube and look for Psychic Spectrum Radio, and today's show is at noon, and so we'll be live on there, and Sharon and I talk about our experiences with metaphysical and paranormal. I love that. I found a few new fishing spots, and I know you got a darn good fishing pole. Yep. I'll get in touch with you. We'll drag Sharon out, and we'll spend the day fishing. Sounds again. good. Sounds good. Great. Well, I've had the most wonderful time co-hosting, co-hosting. Well, this is co-hosting. You, you're, you, the, you're hosting, and I'm, <laughs> I'm your, your Ed McMahon today. <laughs> you and Nathan are just fabulous. But I had so much fun with this, and we look forward to having Gary and Suzanne back. Yep. They'll and, be at the next Matt's Adventure and, this coming and Friday. I, I say hi to Gary and Suzanne. I've known them for, gosh, several decades now. But. Wonderful. Well, this is Matt Shea. Thank you very much for joining us. Gary, Suzanne, you are missed, and we can't wait to come back.